Well, greetings, friends. Pastor Jeremy here, and waiting for the snow to fly to get into the Christmas spirit. In the next several episodes, as we lead up to Christmas, I want to share some reflections I wrote last Christmas, 2020, that infamous Christmas in lockdown, a crazy year for sure, 2020. These are the Beatitudes of Bethlehem, Advent Reflections on Kingdom Disciples. A new kind of kingdom was born in Bethlehem that first Christmas, an upside-down kingdom that would flip the script on who is really blessed and who is not in God's unfolding plan. The babe in a manger would grow up in obscurity until the day he stepped into the spotlight and announced the nature of this kingdom in a series of pronouncements we call the Beatitudes. Yet the surprising nature of this upside-down kingdom was already on display in the unlikely cast of characters who make up the nativity story. In these coming episodes of Advent Reflections, we're going to explore the Beatitudes of Bethlehem, where we see some of these familiar figures, the shepherds, Magi, Mary, Elizabeth and Zechariah, Simeon, and the Christ child in a whole new light. I shared these originally in 2020 during the global COVID-19 pandemic, and in the midst of a very contentious presidential election. I pray that these reflections will draw our hearts back to Jesus, our King and Prince of Peace. May these reflections be both prophetic and pastoral, disturbing the comfortable and comforting the disturbed. And so, chapter one, Epiphany on a Garage Roof. One of my earliest poignant experiences of God came perched on the roof of our garage under the stars. I was in maybe middle school, and my contemplative nature still lied dormant inside me. The angel trumpets wouldn't blast into my consciousness, awakening that part of me until college. Still, on that rooftop, I felt deep in my bones what I would later read in Matthew's version of the Christmas story. The people sitting in darkness have seen a great light. And to those sitting in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned on them. Matthew 4, 16. While this Lutheran boy couldn't get yet quote the scriptures, sitting on that dark roof with the cold autumn air in my neck, I somehow knew deep in my bones the great light of God's presence was already then shining down on me through those twinkling stars. Some 3,000 years earlier, another adolescent boy burst into song under the starry skies. He tended sheep. David sang out, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Psalm 8.1 And likewise, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Psalm 19. But for me, God remained a distant star in the sky for quite some time, occasionally lighting my path or shining a ray of hope into days of doubt. In college, however, I began to read stories and sing songs about this light stepping down into our darkness and 
putting on a human face in Jesus of Nazareth. The message of Christmas morphed from sappy sentimentality to the divine invasion of an upside-down kingdom. Jesus, I discovered, wasn't born in a manger so I could get presents from Santa. Jesus was born into a cosmic war zone to launch a spiritual resistance movement and enlist an army of light and love to help push the darkness back. In Bethlehem's stable, Isaiah's words were being fulfilled. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Simeon burst out into song when he held baby Jesus in the temple. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Luke 2, 30-32 The baby Jesus would grow up and tell his followers, I, the light, have come to the world, that no one who believes in me shall abide in darkness. John 12, 46 Therefore, walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons and daughters of light. John 12, 35 to 36. Now these scriptures evoke the hope of the Advent season and proclaim the message of Christmas. That God doesn't remain like a distant star, showcased and sparkling from across the universe. The light came down and continues to come down into the darkness of our world, bringing fresh hope and new beginnings. But there is also a more sober reality to the light Jesus brings down from heaven. Listen to John 3.19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Many of us good church-going folks think we love the light and we long for more and more of it in our lives. That is until that light is suddenly turned on us like a spotlight, exposing some of our darkness and sin. Yes, religious people have made a sport out of using the light to expose other people's sins, while conveniently hiding our own stains in the shadows. Perhaps this is one reason some people would prefer to hide the light under a bushel. Well, Thirty years have passed now since I sat on that garage roof staring, staring up at the stars. The worries and cares of a middle schooler have given way to the heavier burdens of a father, a husband, and a pastor living in this current cultural wilderness of darkness and fear. But perhaps this Advent, you also feel like we're not sitting collectively on a cold and like we are sitting collectively on a cold and icy roof staring up at the heavens and badly in need of words to ring true once again this Advent. The words that go, the people sitting in a pandemic have seen a great light. And to those sitting in the land of the shadow of COVID, a light has dawned. John's Gospel reminds us of this good news. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never 
extinguish it. That's good news indeed. But Christians aren't meant to merely gaze at the light and warm ourselves in its glow, are we? We are called to join God in bringing the light into the dark places. That's why Jesus said, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. Likewise, Paul worries that the Christians living in the heart of the Roman Empire in the first century will get pulled into dark ways of the world around them. That's why he tells them, the night is nearly over. The day has drawn near. So let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Romans 13, 12. He reminds the Christians in Ephesus of the dark past Christ rescued them from. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. Ephesians 5, 8. Similarly, Peter says, God has brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now you must tell all the wonderful things that he has done. 1 Peter 2, 9. Okay. What exactly does this all mean in practice, you might be asking? You might say, I've heard countless sermons about Christ's light shining in darkness and our call to shine our light. So what? Indeed, we must go deeper. We can't settle any longer for sentimental cliches and cute spiritual metaphors of Christ and his followers shining the light of salvation and watching the darkness retreat in fear. No, we, we need to understand the nature of of the light. We need to take the light of Christ into our hands and heart, turn it around and around like a diamond, and appreciate the manifold shimmer and shine and sparkle. When the light of the world invaded a stable in the little town of Bethlehem and began shining the glory of God's kingdom on earth, what shape, what hue, what colors were refracted from the manger into the eyes of those shepherds looking on. A couple Christmases ago, our kids got those little animal-shaped nightlight reflectors. They spray light up on the ceiling in different shapes and constellations as a sort of nightlight. Abby's displayed a, a unicorn, I, I know. But what image is reflected by Christ's light bearers? Us, the church, these days. Is the light of our witness worthy of the name of Jesus? Is it the same shape of his kingdom? When I was about six years old, I had a glow-in-the-dark matchbox car that I would carefully set under my lamp to charge before bed. After my mom came in to tuck me in and turned off my light, I would drive my radiant car around under the covers until the glow faded away and I finally dozed off to sleep. Likewise, we are to regularly place our lives, ourselves, under the radiant glow of Christ's marvelous light, and let our lives and attitudes and values be supercharged by that kingdom light. But we need to make sure we're being charged by Christ's light while avoiding cheap knockoffs, or worse, being charged up by many scandalous alternatives that are flooding the religious marketplace, claiming to be Christian, 
but are not the light of Christ at all. When darkness invades God's holy people, we can end up casting a shadow over the land rather than shining his light. Paul warned, warns of leaders in the church who claim to live in the light, but who are actually emissaries of the darkness. Paul says we shouldn't be surprised by this, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. 2 Corinthians 11, 14-15. So whether intentionally or not, these leaders preach and teach and reflect another kingdom that is less blinding to our worldly eyes than the upside-down kingdom of Jesus. So friends, how can we make sure we're faithful representatives of Jesus' kingdom of light? Well, I suggest we spend the season of Advent looking at the Beatitudes at the heart of Jesus' kingdom manifesto in Matthew 5. 1 through 11. The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most well-known, yet, I'd argue, least followed teaching. This manifesto launched his ministry, and he wants those who follow him to know that they are choosing to embrace a radically upside-down view of reality. In these crazy times, when so much in our world seems so upside-down and topsy-turvy, Perhaps we'll be more receptive to this jaw-dropping invitation to a whole new way of seeing. Framed on the wall of my study is some artwork from my son, Peter, who was seven at the time. It's a kind of cityscape with a bridge in the background and a night sky dotted with bright stars. Flying through the night with arms outstretched is Peter. When I saw this scene, it immediately evoked Philippians 2, 15 to 16 for me, where Paul writes, Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright stars in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Shine among them like stars as you hold firmly to and hold out to others the word of life. When I shared my interpretation with the artist himself, my son Peter, he insisted we add to the painting the word of life or a Bible in Peter's outstretched arm. See the artwork on this episode. Now it tells the story that began to whisper into my soul all those years ago, sitting on the garage roof looking up at the stars. Little did I know back then that my life would eventually be given to the singular task of urging others to live lives that shine Christ's light into a dark and crooked world. But this only happens as Christians hold firmly to the word of life, that is, Jesus and his upside-down kingdom ethics. The Beatitudes of Bethlehem we are exploring this Advent are intended to help us make sure we're holding on to and holding out to others the true word of life that undergirds the true nature of Jesus' kingdom. The Beatitudes of Bethlehem radiate the bright sunlight we are to place ourselves, our lives underneath, in order to keep our witness supercharged with a pure gospel glow. So I'm grateful 
for bright starry nights, childhood art projects, garage roof epiphanies, and glow-in-the-dark matchbox cars. But this Advent, most of all, I'm thankful that there is a light that shines into the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. The fact that God lets us in on the shining, (laughs) well, that just takes my breath away. How about you? Thanks for listening to this first chapter of the Beatitudes of Bethlehem by yours truly. Next time, we will continue with chapter two. We'll see you then.